0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Taysom Hill is quarterbacking the Saints. There's no better way to root him on than with the Saints happy hour crew to Taysom Cup. Become a Saints Happy Hour patron, and you get one in your booze bundle welcome kit, along with four other amazing swag items. As a patron, you will also get full access to every Saints Happy Hour daily podcast covering everything Saints, Every day. Plus, you get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints with other Saints Happy Hour patrons 24-7. Sign up for an annual subscription and save 5% off the monthly rate. What are you waiting for? Go to SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up today.
1: This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints Happy task? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful.
2: All right, everybody, welcome into a special edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. It's Saints-Falcons hate week. So, of course, we had to have our guy, Dave Choate from the Falcoholic. He is... Fantastic on Twitter. We love to follow him, even though we hate the Falcons. I love Dave. Dave, the first thing I want to say to you is I really enjoyed Falcoholic Twitter after the Saints-Falcons game. One, because the Saints beat their brains in. But second, I really enjoyed you screaming at other Falcon fans and were like, what does it matter? We're going to get a better draft pick. Whatever. I don't care. And you were like, fuck that nonsense. I want to beat the Saints. I don't care about the rest of the year. I just wanted to beat the saints today and you were having none of this. It's okay to lose to the saints, better draft pick nonsense. You were having none of it and you were just slapping fools left and right. And I
3: really appreciated that. And I enjoyed it. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, there's like this, this whole thing. And I, I don't feel like this was the way when I was a kid. And maybe it's just cause I was a kid, but like, it's almost like football nihilism, right? Where, it's like if you cannot win enough games to win the Super Bowl, you might as well lose all of them and just get a better draft pick and and like the the thing you get stuck in is nothing matters unless you win a whole ton of games. Everything else is just garbage, and so some fans have gotten to the point where they're so brain poisoned by this they don't even want to beat the saints anymore and like to me, that's just a foreign country man like i losing to the saints is one of the worst parts of my year regardless of anything like you could take my house in a fire tornado losing to the saints is number two on that list you know so (laughs) and that's in perpetuity so i i i I can't get it and i you know i'm hoping they'll win sunday but if it happens again and i get that again i'm going to be even less patient well dave
4: i want to talk about the like what the hell
3: is going on with this team like
4: i i don't even know what to expect from week to week you blow a horrible game. You blow a game that like should have been yours for the taking, like uh, an innumerable amount of times. Y'all year. should be it's, seven it's and four. So many times.
2: The Falcons should be seven and four, like that. Yeah.
4: Like yeah. well, I mean, or at least, or at least they could be easily, right? And so I just look at that, and then you just think, okay, well, they've had their guts and hearts ripped out so many times that most teams. They just cave after a while and they, they haven't done that. And then, you know, inexplicably Raheem Morris takes over and they they start to look really good. And so two weeks ago, I'm like, maybe this is a really tough game. And then the Saints kick their teeth in. So I'm like, nope, just kidding. The Falcons are terrible. And then last week happens and they destroy the Raiders, a team that beat the Saints, by the way. So what am I supposed to make of all
3: this? I don't know either. I, I mean, I, I think the the funny thing is, is, and I just was talking about this type of fan, but like a lot of Falcons fans have been so beaten down by this team over the last three years that like against the Raiders, they blew them out. and It's like, well, the Raiders aren't that good anyway. So I'm like, what are you talking about? The Raiders are actually very good, but like, it's just, you, you don't want to get yourself back up for this team and just get slapped back down again, which I totally understand, but Long and short of it is the problem that they have right now is so ever since Raheem Morris took over, this defense has actually been pretty good. It, it's been improving. You're seeing them get a lot out of guys that Dan Quinn couldn't um, or these coaches couldn't when Dan Quinn was in charge for whatever reason. And so like that defense is much better. I thought they were even solid against the saints. They blew a couple of opportunities on those yeah, that's true. absolute ducks that he'll through. But other than that, They were fine, but the offense stinks. And I I think one of my writers said earlier this morning that the Falcons' defensive DVOA has actually passed the offensive. And I think the last time that happened was a long time ago. So it's Dirk Cutter has ruined this offense. And so every week you either get an elite defensive performance and the offense does just enough to take advantage of whatever weakness that team has, and it pushes them over the top or the offense stinks the defense isn't quite great and they lose and i think that at the heart of it is what's going on here is that there's just a bad offense at the heart of this team and even now that they have a good defense suddenly out of nowhere it's just not always enough
2: you know and that gives me brings me to one of the main questions i wanted to ask you is you know like you said it's been frustrating and you sort of you're starting you're caught in the 7 and 9 sadness loop as i like to call it are you would you rather be like six and five and still have dan quinn and maybe have a shot at the playoffs or are you happy that like you know what dan quinn it was time to go we needed to blow it up we're gonna take this bullet and it's okay like if you could have six and five but you had to have dan quinn would you take that or was it just time to push him out the door and
3: get something new yeah, I think that's a tough question. Um, I'm, I sort of have a weakness for winning at the end of the day. So <laughs> I, I think, that. yeah, if you could, if you could be six and five, if, because that would mean that, you know, Dan Quinn had figured something out, you know, so that they were good enough to be in playoff contention. I, you know, maybe an unpopular answer in my fan base, but yeah, I'd take that. I I would like to see this team make it to the playoffs and Dan Quinn is a fundamentally good guy. I couldn't entirely figure out why things went so wrong with him i would take that um that said now that we're in the situation we're in and seeing a defense that i think a lot of us gave up for dead after five weeks you know showing some talent life that we didn't expect from it like that is probably the better long-term prize so I, i gotta get out of my mindset a little bit here and probably say that's the better place to be
4: I, I appreciate that, though, Dave, because I fight with Saints fans a lot. And we're not quite Patriots fans, but, you know, Patriots fans meaning like win a Super Bowl or you might as well get the first pick in the NFL draft because yeah. anything and anything in between is awful. And I, I it's see and Ralph will tell you every year I feel like I go on this podcast and have a rant where I'll be like, the team is nine and two, they're 13 and three. Like if you're finding reasons to be unhappy, like they're competitive in all these games, they're winning most of them. And yes, they may lose in the playoffs because single elimination, that's how it works. But I, I'm going to enjoy it because if 13 and three or nine and two, whatever, if that doesn't make you happy, then you're, you're watching the wrong thing. Like you, you shouldn't be watching football. It's the wrong, it's the wrong entertainment for you. And, I, so anyway, I love your answer because it's six and five. That that may sound awful to some people, but one day Drew Brees won't be here, and one day the Saints won't have the number one defense in the NFL. Or maybe it won't be Sean Payton, and we would kill for six and five.
2: The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff early. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And look, getting in the playoffs, man. And winning a playoff game is fucking fun. Like it. Like e- even if you don't win the Super Bowl, I know the Saints are in this. This you know, you know we're trying to win a Super Bowl. and We've had all these heartaches, man. But like the Saints 2000 season, where they went 10 and 6 and won their first playoff game ever, they went to Minnesota, got their heads kicked in, and it was done. We were like, this is awesome. And granted, they hadn't been to the playoffs in a long time. But like, winning and getting to the playoffs is is fun just because. You get all the attention. Like, there's no other teams left. The media only has, like, three or four games to talk about. So you get 31, all
5: this.
4: 31 teams end in heartbreak. So the way I see it, it's like you want to try to delay the heartbreak as long as possible. You know. Because you know, you know it's coming.
2: You know. Oh, yeah. The one thing that's really interesting to me, Dave, is – as, as these NFL teams, they seem obsessed with getting, like, I gotta get an offensive coordinator, because if, if if we hire a defensive coordinator, then our offensive coordinator leaves, and our offense will turn to crap, and we won't be any good, so teams are just, like, almost biased against defensive coordinating hires lately, but my thing is, like, that's not really a great way to think about it. Like like, if, if you think Raheem Morris is the guy, and he clearly can fix your defense, right, he's fixed it to a level that you guys aren't even used to, like, if you think he's the guy, hire him and don't not hire him because you're like, Well, what if he what if he gets an offensive coordinator like Shanahan and he leaves? Then you're screwed again? Like, I don't think that's a fair way to judge him. But you got five weeks left. You got a really freaking hard schedule starting with Sunday. What does he have to do, you think, to keep the job? And does it make it harder that they're going to have a new GM? Does that make his bar to keep the job even higher?
3: Yeah, that's a, it's a really interesting question on both fronts. I, I think, you know, when he was first announced as the interim, I think Arthur Blank made a comment that he later had to walk back, which was, you know, sure, if he goes 11-5 and five <laughs> or whatever, we'll hire him. It, you know, it was very glib in a way. Like, it's, it's almost like there's nothing he can that's actually going to get him hired, um, but I think winning three of his last five here would be enough um, to put the team at least in the frame of mind of thinking he's a strong candidate for the job. I, I think if you look at the way he's motivated a team that was 0-5, um, if you look at the way the defense has clearly improved, um, you know, under him versus Dan Quinn. And then if you look at some of the challenges ahead and just the the advantages of having some familiarity with this team as constructed, you know, they don't have a ton of cap space next year. They're going to be a little bit hamstrung by that. You know, I figure two or three wins in the last couple of weeks, he really should be in the running for that. Just given those factors. Um, I do think that the GM question really depends on who they hire. Um, As far as I'm aware, there's nobody that's been linked to him in the past or that's worked with him in the past that's in the running right now. Um, but I could see, you know, the right GM coming along and and looking at the list of candidates and you get a couple of the hot names, you know, snapped up, or if you don't hire a John Dorsey who's gonna want to take somebody from Kansas City with him, yeah, I, I could see him being a contender for it. So I think it's it's really just for him to be a guy that is in this conversation, the Falcons just can't. Flop over the last five games because that that gives the Falcons a super easy out to say thanks for everything but get out.
2: I hope you. Well, the yeah, I mean, today. if I they start so choice.
4: they started the season zero and five. If he if they win three out of their last five, they'll finish seven and nine, and that might not sound like much, but that's seven and two uh for for Raheem Morris since he took over, and seven and two is significant. So it feels like kind of how the Falcons were last year started so bad, ended strong, but. Uh, I mean, he, he would definitely have a case. I mean, if you would, Dave, let, let... yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I was going
2: to say, if he wins three out of five, that probably means he beats the saints and maybe Tom Brady and maybe screws the, the box out of the playoffs, man. They might give him a parade in Atlanta. If two of the, if I he goes three and two down the stretch. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> Dave, uh, let's talk about how the game went last time. Um, and, and in light of kind of your comments about the Falcons offense, uh, I, I would have said see during that game I would have said yep you see there you go because if they don't have Julio Jones or he, you know and he had his hamstring thing and he was he was clearly limping and then he he left the game but I, I've always just felt like you take away Julio Jones and Matt Ryan is just a completely different kind of quarterback and yet he didn't play last week and the offense put up over 40 points so again I'm kind of left scratching my head but when I look at that game obviously the big thing is that, No one can really run the ball on the Saints. Saints run defenses, tops in the league, and they've been great at that all year. And so, you know, to be able to move the ball and score on the Saints, uh, you have to be able to throw effectively. And obviously the Falcons were sacked nine times and Matt Ryan just had no time. So how do you see uh, the Falcons? And I know you don't have a lot of faith in Dirk Cutter, but how do you see them approaching this game offensively uh, to try to have a better game?
3: I think they have to get the ball out quicker. I I think the really big disappointment for me in that last game was you look at what Dirk Cutter should have learned from the the game at the end of November 2019 when Ryan got sacked, I think, nine times um, and he did not take any of those lessons and apply them. Everything's harder without Julio in the game you know, after that game, I I think one of the things Raheem Moore said is we got to try to get more guys involved. You have the same three or four receivers and Hayden Hurst out there running roots, and they're not trying to incorporate the running backs at all, which normally I, I think, you know, you can throw too much to your running backs, especially when they're not supremely talented pass catchers who can pick up a ton of yardage afterwards. But the Falcons need to get that ball out of there quickly because the Saints are going to try the exact same thing again, and it worked perfectly um, just a couple of weeks ago. And now they don't even have uh, Lamerdesekius, who's been pretty decent at getting open this year. They've got Laquan Treadwell instead, who is not so Bad. decent at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know that's that's why I think like getting Ito Smith involved. Uh, you know he did really well against the Raiders. He's probably their best pass-catching back. Um, getting Jaden Graham out there, the backup tight end, who's really surprisingly quick, can be a bit of a mismatch issue. And just scheming guys open on shorter routes. Like you, you've got to dink and dunk for a bit until that pass rush backs off because the offensive line is probably going to be down. James Carpenter, I don't think he's going to play this week, so you've got a hole mm. left guard that makes that job even tougher. So. At the end of the day, you can't run. You can't get back into seven-step drops because you're just going to get creamed. So it, it's all going to be incumbent on them finding ways to get guys open and getting guys into space, and that's that's really that's all there is to it. But, of course, it is their Cutter's offense, and I don't have a ton of faith that's actually going to happen.
2: I have to say it delights me, but for you guys, it must be infuriating because I watched the Falcon offense. When you had Kyle Shanahan – I looked at, it, I was like, "Oh my God, he's fucking coaching rings around us." And then you went to Steve Sarkeesian, who was frustrating, but it was still like, "Oh, he's a pretty good coach. He's doing some interesting stuff." With Cutter, I feel like you've gone from like an Apple Ten to like a fucking flip phone. Like, I am not kidding at how bad his offense and unimaginative is. Looks, am I just being a Saints fan and laughing at you guys, or do you feel similar?
3: I feel very similar. I, you know, the thing that kills me is, so Steve Sarkeesian, by the time he went, I think a lot of fans were ready to let him go. But the, the whole issue was he was fine. He, had, he did some creative things. He tended to freeze up against really good defenses. But if you were going to fire a guy after two years, and, and Matt Ryan in 2018 had a year that was almost as good as his MVP season in terms of uh, the numbers at least. And so you had to get somebody better and to hire Dirk Cutter who washed out of the Falcons the last time around and now it's <laughs> you know 7 years later and his offense is not any more up to date it hasn't been refreshed or anything like that was just an infuriating choice and i still don't know why it was made and it is it's frustrating you look at his offense and you look at what he says about his offense and he just wants he doesn't want to run the ball he doesn't, he's not really interested in it. He doesn't want to throw the ball to backs. I've already mentioned that, you know, he wants Matt Ryan to drop back, scan the field and preferably wing it. And that's great if you have an elite offensive line, um, but when there's no backup plan and when your offense is really good at moving the balls between the 20, but as soon as you get into the red zone, you freeze up. And that's why young wake who is going to be a pro bowler this year, I, you know, that, to me, it's just insane how much talent they have on hand, and they just can't get the job done. And I put so much of that on the offensive coordinator because it just didn't happen under Shanahan, and it didn't happen the same way week in and week out uh, under Sakiyian too. So it just it sucks. It sucks so <laughs> much.
4: Dave, I know you uh, don't have uh, direct access to the players, and I know you know with COVID you're not going to practices or anything. But just uh, your gut, I won't hold you to this. Uh, with Gurley and with Julio Jones, give me percentage on either of them playing in this game, as it stands right now.
3: Yeah, I've got both probably at like uh, 25, 33 percent. I guess I, I am not super optimistic about either one. Julio. Oh, you're thinking
4: both are missing.
3: I'm thinking both are missing. Um, Gurley, I, I just. I don't know about the knee. Like uh, you look at the trend lines and yards per carry, it's not the most reliable indicator of anything. I get that, but first five weeks of the season early was pretty productive. Last five weeks before he missed last week, you know he's averaging like two point seven yards per carry. He just does not look like the same guy. I think he's hurt. I think it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for them to bring him back because he's not an active part of the, the passing game. He is a good blocker. So that is something, but, you know, bringing him back when he's not a hundred percent doesn't make any sense. I don't think they'll do it. Julio, you know, downgraded to out today. I just don't know how close he is. Like, I'd like to believe he's going to play, but I, I just don't see it. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty pessimistic about both of those guys playing.
4: Well, that's big big news for the Saints if if they can both be out. Um.
3: Jingle balls to
2: the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the manscaped perfect package 3.0 this revolutionary company manscape has redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin safe technology so this trimmer cuts on your nuts it's also waterproof so you can use it in the shower the lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new perfect package 3.0 which makes the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls. That's just nasty. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, your balls stink. Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product along with the Crop Preserver keeps your balls from sweating, smelling and sticking. And these products smell Good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help you set the mood, if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Tis the season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all. The Manscaped Perfect package 3.0 get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com your balls will thank you
4: i want to give you a hypothetical um and obviously i want to make it harder for you because the hypothetical here is you can only pick one win for the rest of the season and obviously i know you'd pick the saints uh but (laughs) but but i'll complicate it for you your choice is uh, you can beat the Saints as your one win, but they're still going to the playoffs, and then it's behind the mystery door. You don't know what happens in the playoffs. Or you can beat the Bucs as your one win with Tom Brady, but you are guaranteed. So you lose all the rest of your game, so you have a good draft pick, and I will guarantee you that the win over the Bucks knocks Tom Brady out of the playoffs.
3: Boy. You still this is the, the toughest. Saints? This is the toughest question I've ever been asked in my life. <laughs> uh,
2: and I, to bonus thing, he has yeah. a he has a meltdown on the sideline because y'all won.
4: Yeah, there's a gif that ha- there there is a screen grab moment that happens during that Bucks game that becomes a gif that's used for for ten years to make fun of Tom Brady.
3: I don't know if I can answer this in the time we have. Uh, this is a tough <laughs> one for me. You know, like I, I got to because the thing with the Saints game is like w- winning this game without Julio Jones, um, ensuring that Taysom Hill doesn't win two games in a single season against the Falcons. That's a very big deal to me. But the Tom Brady meltdown sideline gif and my distaste for Tom Brady being a Falcons fan way up here in New England. is That's a big deal to me. So. Ooh, the I'm gonna Jeopardy go, music go plan in the with Brady,
2: but I might change my answer. <laughs> he might if it if it's if the Saints game is close in the third quarter, he'll be DMing yeah. you, Andrew, changing. His yeah,
3: mind. I'm 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 gonna need you guys to re-record this. <laughs> <laughs> what?
6: As uh, you
2: guys go into the, the offseason, look, I've made many jokes with you on Twitter that I was sad that y'all couldn't hire Mike McCarthy because I thought he would be a terrible coach. Um. I actually think if y'all hire John Dorsey, I'll be very excited because that dude is not as good a general manager as you think. He hired that trash can last year in Cleveland that they had to shit can after one year. So his judgment on hiring coaches is not that good, in my opinion. So who is your dream scenario and who is the guy that's a legitimate possibility, perhaps, that you would just be – horrified and rage tweeting about in anger.
3: Yeah. Dorsey would be the rage tweet guy. I just don't think, you know, he gets it. I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, he does some good things everywhere he goes. I'm not trying to diminish that, but he's, he strikes me as kind of an arrogant guy. He strikes me as not being quite as smart as he thinks he is. And he certainly has made some really questionable coaching decisions it sounds like he's a meddler. Uh, we do not need a meddler. We already have an owner, um, and Rich McKay in Atlanta, who I think are probably more hands-on than I'd prefer them to be. So don't give me Dorsey. I'd be very unhappy with he's Dorsey. He's a little Ryan um, Pacey.
2: Dorsey. What's that? He's a little Ryan Pacey for the Bears. Like, oh yeah, he does some good yeah. stuff, but like his flaws will get you fucked. You know, like Ryan Pacey went and got Khalil Mack. He did some okay things drafting, but. He picked Trubisky over over Deshaun Watson and Mahomes. Like, so that's how I view Dorsey. He does a little good, but his bad is just enough to ruin everything.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how I feel about him as well. I think the guy that I prefer to get is Rick Smith. Um, and this is a guy I wasn't even thinking about being available in the GM search, but I liked his work in Houston. It, it wasn't all great, don't get me wrong, but like Good drafter, solid personnel guy overall, real solid leader, um, and somebody with a ton of experience. And I actually, as much as I thought I'd want myself seeing you know fresh ideas, totally new candidates in here, especially with a personnel guy like somebody like Smith who I think got it done for a long time, left you know because he had to for a family situation, not because he was fired or anything like that. and then seeing what Bill O'Brien did after him, it, you know, kind of underscores to me how good well, a GM. He that's is. that's
2: what I was going to say, so. Bill O'Brien. It was fa- it, it was family related in a little bit, but it was also Bill O'Brien kind of like not stabbing him in the back, but kind of like giving him like a shove out the door as I'm in Houston. Oh yeah, and you can see the trend line for Houston. Smith left. Bill O'Brien got all the power, and the Texans immediately went into the fucking ditch he would be a hire that i would not like because i don't i don't like the falcons having boringly competent people that's not fun
4: the spirit of performance is what defines acura and now it's electric introducing the zdx acura's most powerful suv yet crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple imsa championships the zdx has track tested performance that packs an energy all its own
3: You know, we apparently don't like that either. But um, yeah, I would, I would love a Rick Smith hire, though, if that's what it comes down to. Um, I hope he's the guy. But, you know, all I really want at the end of the day is somebody who is not going to be too full of themselves because the Falcons tend to talk themselves into their guys too much as it is. I don't need somebody coming in who already thinks his word is the final one on personnel because that never seems to work out for them.
4: All right, well, let's get to the game on Sunday. Uh, two-part question, because it sounds like you're you're down on the offense, you're down on the team a little bit, but they just had a great win. So uh, I guess the fir- first part of the question is, how much more confident are you that the Falcons can win this game? And then B, give us a prediction. All
3: right, I'd say I am a little bit more confident than I was, um, you know, Obviously, after the Saints game, I was like, boy, we got to do this in two weeks. There's two reasons for that. Um, The first is the Falcons doing what they did against the Raiders, which gives me some hope that the defense can be just that little bit better or a lot better uh, this time around, which I think can make a massive difference if the offense isn't quite as putrid as it was last time. And I feel like there's really no way for the offense to be worse if if there is. Dirk Cutter should be fired on the spot because you've now had multiple opportunities to do something different. I think think
2: your followers on Twitter would really, really like, they'd hate getting destroyed by the Saints, but if Dirk Cutter got fired into the sun directly after the game, I think your followers would be very, very happy. They seem
3: to dislike him a lot. It's a it's real like it's it's a personal animosity at this point for a lot of Falcons fans. And like, I don't know that Dirk Cutter is a bad guy. I don't think he is, but he's uh, definitely not the guy we want running that offense. I I still want your
4: score. I still want your score prediction, but I need to jump in here and ask you to compare Falcons fans hatred for Cutter to Saints fans hatred of either Jason David or
3: Brandon Browner. I would say it's a Brandon Browner situation. I would say maybe even worse. Like, it's bad. Like, there is no – nobody says, like, if I criticize Dirk Cutter, which we've probably done more than we need to, um, nobody jumps in and goes, wait, leave leave Dirk Cutter alone. He's good at his game. I have not had that happen since, like, maybe week one. They're like, step aside.
2: I need to jump on – I need to go at him from the top rope. (laughs) They want their turn.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, people will be lining up to celebrate. Like, the thing with Derek Cutter is, too, like, I, it's got to be unpleasant to read this stuff about yourself or hear it. But he's going to land an offensive coordinator job somewhere else. Okay. This guy is Teflon. He's had an offensive coordinator or head coaching job in this league since, like, the mid-2000s. He so convinced be- Tampa to keep him.
2: He convinced Tampa to fire Lovey Smith so he
3: wouldn't leave. Like, Yeah, which I can't – I still don't understand. but continue all right
4: score score prediction
3: score prediction yeah so i'm gonna go with i'm gonna say and i i hate it but i'm gonna go with saints 27 falcons 20 i don't think they're going to have the horses to win this game i would love to be surprised but it it just given what happened last time given that i don't think they're going to have julio again i just don't see them being able to rebound quite to the extent they need to even if i think they'll make Case on worse than last time which is a small victory in and of itself well
4: you know and that 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 prediction is significant i don't know how much your fingers are on the pulse of this dave but head to head i've been looking at this for years because i've had my eye on the saints taking over the head-to-head historical head-to-head between the two teams and it's right now for regular season we're not counting the playoff game because that never happened but uh 52 to 50, the Falcons lead. And the Saints have never uh, had the lead uh, other than the first time the two teams played. I think the Saints won the first matchup. So they were up one zip. And since then, the Falcons have always had the head-to-head. So it's 50 to 52. uh, And if the Saints can get that sweep and get this win, one win separates the two, which the Saints could tie and then potentially take over next year.
3: I will just point out though that you will never have a playoff win against us. Yeah. God,
4: certainly not this year.
3: Not this year. Yeah. No, (laughs) that's fair.
2: (laughs) So, but uh, Dave, we always enjoy uh, talking to you, and we wish you luck at uh, keeping Tom Brady out of the playoffs and the rest of the year. Okay. But not Sunday. So, uh, guys, Falcoholic, they're they're amazing. You should follow them on Twitter. They are. All the guys right over there and Jenna. They're all great fun, uh, so you should follow them. Dave, thanks for joining us. Guys, have a great weekend, and we will see you Sunday night after Saints-Falcons.